This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. Finding something very hard to spot is, as my grandfather would say, finding a needle in a haystack. He wasn't a farmer, but knew it took effort to discover the thing you want the most. Today, we will apply that philosophy to helping a nurse recruiter find you in a sea of candidates. Hey guys, I'm Adia Hansen. And I'm Corbin Smith. Together, we are going to explore the nursing profession. With exclusive interviews from nurses working in jobs you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is the College Handoff. The typical employer will interview six to 10 candidates for a single job, and candidates will go through at least two or even three rounds of interviews before even receiving an offer. If a hiring manager cannot find someone who fits their requirements, they'll probably interview more. Today, we talk with Jesse Holden, a nursing talent advisor and HR corporate recruiter at Intermountain Healthcare. He will share what sticks out to him in an application, offer tips for building a resume, and suggestions to improve the interview process. Second, Dr. Shelley Reed talks to us about her new certification as a midwife. She even adds a personal baking story about chocolate chip cookies. You do not want to miss any of this. Let's get started. Today, our first guest is Jesse Holden, a nursing talent advisor and human resource corporate recruiter at Intermountain Healthcare. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Could you introduce yourself to us a little? Yeah, so I have been with Intermountain Healthcare for 11 years now. I first started out with corporate uh, finance and then wanted to get into human resources. I graduated in health administration and did an internship in human resources at Utah Valley Hospital there in Provo. And then from there, I went into human resources, started with recruiting and HR journalist work. And then I went solely to recruitment and really had a love for the nursing field and really um, wanted to specialize in nursing recruitment. So it took a few years doing some other things, but then I was able to uh, start specializing in nursing recruitment. And there's just such an excitement around nursing. There's such a passion around it. It's really at the heart of what we do at Intermountain is caring for our patients and helping them, as our mission says, live the best lives possible. And that really starts with our nursing team. So as a recruiter, what are some of the tasks you're responsible for? Yeah, so we help our nurse managers with their unit staffing, where we kind of game plan what their needs are and what their projections may be for staffing. So we have a lot of different tools that we use to help us with that. And some of those things include employee turnover. Some of those things include seasonal illnesses like at primary children's, for example, usually our winters are pretty high census. So we try to plan and um, project our our needs around that. Um, We go out and we post jobs and we advertise our jobs. So 
that's really a fun part of what we do as recruiters and talent advisors is to go out and what we call source or advertise and really try to sell the organization and sell the great experiences that people can have here and what they can learn and their career progression as well. There's such a broad field with nursing that we can help point them in a lot of different directions. So it's uh, helping fill these needs, you know, the day-to-day needs of our of our nursing units, really try to evaluate the best talent that's out there. We want we want the best for our patients and then uh, really selling the organization and, and finding the, the best folks out there. What are some things that make Intermountain unique and attractive to graduating nurses? Yeah, that's a really good question and one that we get often. Um, but I think what really sets it apart is the, the culture, for one thing. The culture is a very welcoming, inviting environment. We want what's best for our employees. We want what's best for our our patients. Our patients come first, and, and everyone knows that that works here. But um, it's just such a positive place to be. Everyone is trying to build each other up. And another great thing is the benefits that we have. I've looked at a lot of different areas, a lot of different companies with with benefits and I really ha- haven't had a um, really uh, let's see <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> I have not found a, a, an organization or a place that competes with our with our benefits you know there's great retirement options there's great healthcare options um, we have a live well program which is a corporate wellness program that employees can participate in and and it's meant to have some fun as well, but it centers around our caregivers. And what are some of the things a new hire could expect when they start working at Intermountain? Particularly for our new grad nurses, what they'll do is they will have a new employee orientation, a general orientation that everyone would attend that talks about the mission, vision, values of Intermountain Healthcare. Really give them a glimpse of the culture and we we try to tell them that they can expect to be treated, you know, with these values from from other employees, but we also expect them to bring those values with them as well. Uh, so they go through this this organization uh, welcome or orientation, talk about benefits, policies, things like that, and then the second day is our nurse residency orientation. And our nurse residency program is designed specifically for new graduate nurses, really to help them transition from the classroom to being a real-life nurse. And it's a year-long program where they have a mentor and they have someone that they can go to for support questions. Um, They'll do different simulations. They'll do uh, different uh, where they can, for a couple of weeks, they can go to a different unit than what they were hired to and learn the ins and outs of that particular unit. They have webinars that they can be a part of and they can pick a specific field of nursing or specialty of nursing. Maybe it's not that they are hired to, but another one that they want to get into and learn more about. So the it really helps create a nice foundation. And there's been a lot of research out there that new nurses struggle 
and there are people who drop out um, once they've graduated and start getting into real life nursing. They they find that it's pretty tough and maybe have some a uh, little bit of regret getting into the field. So this is to help transition them and get, help them get through those those trials and at the beginning of their career. And let's talk a little bit about how to land a job at Intermountain. What sticks out to you in an application? Yeah, so for, for new grad nurses, we really like to see where they did their capstone or, or preceptorship. If you have you know, been to an emergency department or an ICU, um, we really want to, you to highlight these areas that you did your capstones in and um, what you learned from that. We're also very much into finding the right cultural fit for Intermountain, someone who has our values, someone who is kind and compassionate. That is what really sticks out, someone who's teachable. And um, so we have a philosophy where we hire the right person and then we train we train for skills. We train for, for actual nursing skills and knowledge. So it's, it's more important to us that we find the right, the right person, the right character first. And we do that through, um, you know, different interview processes we have. We have a video interview process. Uh, of course, we check references. And um, all those things help someone stick out more. But I guess if maybe going back to your original question, if, if we were to look at someone just on paper, um, yeah, we would, we would look at their prior experience. We'd look at if they had some CNA experience or maybe some LPN experience. Those things would definitely help. But I think particularly for a new grad, it's important to really highlight your capstone area and what you learned from that experience. What are some things that students can keep in mind when creating their resumes? The, the thing about a resume is people need to realize that recruiters and managers are really looking over it fairly quickly. So we need it to be eye-catching right from the get-go. Um, make it one page if possible. You know, we don't need to know where you worked in high school, if you worked at McDonald's or anything like that. I mean, that, those things are great. but um, that's not going to really stick out to us. We we want to make sure that you try to keep it to one page, keep it clean, not a lot of fluff or pictures or, or flowers and, and things like that. Just really make it professional. And we prefer to have your experience listed first and, you know, as much as possible, have it healthcare related at first, particularly for a nurse. Um, and then have your education towards the end and your anticipated graduation dates, particularly around for new grads, for example, I'll take primary children's hospital. For example, we get a lot of new grads who are interested in going to primary children's um, because of the, just the sheer volume of people we get and, uh, and not having as many openings. Um, the, the capstone piece is very important. So that particular recruiter will look at, Oh, let's see if they did a capstone in pediatrics or NICU, something like that. That, That's going to really stick out to them. And same thing for critical care, Uh, you know, emergency department, ICU. I would highlight those things and list those things. Um, And a lot of times people will list an objective. Those things are are nice to see. Those things are, um, are good for us to 
review and, and see, maybe give us a glimpse of, of your character, but really tell us about yourself. Tell us what you've accomplished. Tell us what your goals are and try to create a story for us. Try to create a picture for us as best as best you can. How does someone apply to work at Intermountain Healthcare? Yeah, so if you go to our website, it's um, intermountain.jobs, pretty simple, just intermountain.jobs. And once you pull up the website, it uh, has a search jobs option. And we've actually had a new website that is really simple um, than what we had last year. So pull it up and you can search by jobs. You can search by job uh, family. And then it also gives you a drop down where you can search by specific hospital or general area, for, uh, geographic area. And it will bring up everything that's open in those areas uh, in that particular field or, you know, nursing, for example, guest services, housekeeping. It will show you everything in that area or particular hospital that you're interested in. And one thing for our, for new grads. So we hire, of course, experienced nurses, and we hire new graduate nurses. Um, for new grads, we ask that you apply to any position that you're interested in that would have new graduate or new grad, nursing graduate in the job title, kind of held, I guess you could say, for new grads specifically. Our chief nursing officer, Sue Robel, is very um, excited about new grads. She has a real passion around new grads and wants us to be a lot more strategic in our hiring of new grads. So that's a big focus for us, and that's why we set aside and project new grad needs um, for, for them to apply to. But yeah, pretty simple. Just go to the website, look up the jobs, um, apply to as many as you're interested in, and it, it will ask you to submit a resume, um, an attachment there, and then um, we try to stay in touch with our applicants once every week, giving them an update on, on the status of the position. So Jesse, we've come to the end of our time today, but if a student wants to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, feel free to reach out to me with any nursing or new graduate questions that you have, and then I can send those over to the specific nurses over uh, a special, you know, a specialty field or, or service line that you're interested in. So you can reach me by email is the best. Uh, my email is jesse.holden at iml.org. So jesse is J-E-S-S-E dot Holden, which is H-O-L-D-E-N at iml, I-M-A-I-L dot org. Thank you so much, Jesse, for being on the show today. Yeah, this was fun. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. BYU nursing students, don't forget you have free access to the Lip and Cot Procedures, a compilation of evidence-based nursing and healthcare procedures. The portal is at guides.lib.byu.edu forward slash nursing. So we are here today with Associate Teaching Professor Dr. Shelley Reed from Salt Lake. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Dr. Reed, how long have you been teaching here at BYU? Since 2005, so I'm in my 16th year. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm from a farm in Idaho, um, the fifth of eight kids. And my parents didn't have any college education, but I could always tell that education was really important to them. 
and I decided to be a nurse when I was 16. I was volunteering as what we called candy stripers. They were, I was part of Future Nurses of America. We had a club in high school. And I was in the hospital one night delivering water and answering call lights with another friend. And one of the doctors in the hospital saw us in the hallway. He asked us if we wanted to see a baby be born. And I had never thought about that, but there was a mother that was about ready to give birth. And I said, sure. And he asked her if permission. And she said, we could come in and watch. And until that point in time, I thought, oh, that's so embarrassing. Everybody will see your bottom. I mean, why would anybody want to do that? And I got into the room, and I could tell nobody cared about that. And it was just so exciting. Everybody cared about this new little life being brought into the world. And it was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And I thought, I want to be a nurse. I want to do that. Okay, so let's start with a really fun story. I heard that you've had a cookie recipe printed on the side of a can of Crisco. How did that happen? So one of the nurses in labor and delivery told me about a cookie contest that she had entered at the Utah State Fair. It was uh, sponsored by Crisco and Good Housekeeping and Hershey and Quaker Oats and Jif Peanut Butter, all these companies. And they, it was a parent-child cookie contest. And you, your child had to be six or older. And my oldest child just happened to be six. So... I decided to enter the contest at the state fair, and I remember making the cookies. I used a family recipe. I altered it a little bit because, for one thing, it didn't have Crisco in it, and you had to have Crisco in it because they were a sponsor. And so we altered it and changed the recipe up a little bit, and I made the cookies with my kids that morning, and we took them on a plate to the fair. The only plate I had was this ugly green paper plate, but... That's what I had. So I took it. I wanted a disposable plate. So I took it to the fair and we all went. And I get there and there's like 25 entries and they're all decked out with all these decorations, beautiful, like Relief Society centerpieces. And there were my cookies on an ugly green paper plate. So we waited and they announced the winners and we won. My daughter and I won. And I guess the paper plate didn't matter. It was just the cookies. Um, and that Crisco took all 50 state fair winners and they baked their cookies in their kitchen in Cincinnati. So Crisco selected 15 parent-child pairs from across the nation for the national contest. And my daughter and I got selected, and we got flown to New York City, and we baked our cookies in the Good Housekeeping Institute. So two and a half weeks before we went out there, I had baby number four. And so I took the baby with me. My husband came so he could hold the baby. I, my daughter and I baked cookies and I breastfed between batches in the Good Housekeeping Institute, which is where we baked the cookies. And we were on national news. I don't know if they caught breastfeeding or not. I don't know. I never watched that newscast. But anyway, we were uh, we got first runner up in that contest in the nation. And, and we uh, Allison got a $500 scholarship we put it in the bank for her college. And, and we got that trip to New York, and it was really, really fun. So Crisco got rights to the recipe, and it was published in Good Housekeeping. And it was also published on the side of a can of Crisco. So I'm probably the only nursing professor you know that was first published on a can of Crisco. So recently you became a certified nurse midwife. What does that mean, and how does that change the way you work with patients? 
So a certified nurse midwife is a advanced practice degree. Um, you can get a certified nurse midwife with a, a master's degree in nursing and also with a DNP, a doctorate of nursing practice. And so what a certified nurse midwife does is it depends on the state. Each state regulates advanced practice nursing. And I can, here in Utah, I can deliver babies. Um, I think it's in with, with in conjunction with, you know, you work collaboratively with a physician. And I can deliver babies as long as I'm in a practice. Um, I had to take classes and I have a master's degree in that postgraduate degree because I have a lot of other degrees too. And I finished my clinical uh, and my classes on December 23rd. And I took my certification exam on January 5th of this year and I passed. And so now I'm a certified nurse midwife. So one of the things that I found out is that I have to have a different license through the state I have an advanced practice nursing license and a certified nurse midwifery license is a different license. And so I have applied for the state for that license and I'm just waiting to hear back. There's different levels of nurse midwives in the state of Utah. There's uh, something called direct entry midwives. Those are midwives that just uh, work with another practitioner. And then there's uh, Certified professional midwives, they have taken a certification exam like the one that I took, but they completed the program, but they are not nurses. And then there are certified nurse midwives, which is what I am. I'm a registered nurse with an advanced degree, and I've also taken the, the exam. So those are different levels. And the things that you can do are... Um, you know, more restrictive if you have less training, like if you're a direct entry midwife. All of us should be taking care of uh, women who are low risk, but there are some midwives that work directly with like a a high-risk physician like in in a high-risk clinic, and so they might take care of women who are higher risk, but they would be working directly with a physician. Yo, that's awesome. The Honor Society of Nursing, Sigma Theta Tau, recently published a textbook chapter on your debriefing content. Could you tell us about that and what you contributed? So I wrote a chapter on debriefing in that book. This is the second edition of the book, and I also wrote the one in the first uh, edition. And the book has been really well received, and so they came out with the second edition because it was so great. It's already sold out, partly because of COVID, and they're having a hard time getting paper copies, but um, it's just about debriefing and all aspects of debriefing. The chapter changed because we've learned more about debriefing since the first edition came out. And I myself have been studying debriefing for years um, because of a situation that I had uh, being debriefed that I was really uncomfortable with. And since that, that was in 2007, I was doing neonatal resuscitation, and they had a debriefing that they had did differently. And I thought, why do you have to do it that way? And they said, well, because that's the way we were trained, and they named a high-profile institution that they were trained at. And I said, well, how do you know that's the best way? And they said, well, because they said so. And I didn't like that. I wanted to find out for myself what was the best way. And since I, since that time, I have been re- 
researching debriefing, and I have learned a lot, and people have learned a lot about debriefing, and and I the way I was being debriefed, which is being videotaped, isn't necessarily the best way in every situation. I have found out, and other people also agree with that. So again, I started uh, researching debriefing in 2007. So I researched all eight programs, and I decided that Case Western was the best for me because they were um, had a nursing education focus. And I was teaching, and I thought, well, I don't know a lot about teaching. I better learn about that, right? And so I went there, and they signed me up with her, and they had two options. You could do a project or you could do a thesis, and a thesis, of course, is research-based. And she said, well, I don't do projects. I, If you want me as your mentor, you have to do a thesis. And I really wanted her as my mentor, so I did research for that. And usually with your DNP, you do more of a project. It's not usually a bona fide research project, but I did research. And I wanted to find out which way of being debriefed was the best. Um, at the time, there were no tools at all um, to evaluate debriefing. And so I developed a tool, and that was pretty much my my research thesis at Case Western. And at the end, when I defended my thesis, I could, the, one of the, my committee members said, congratulations, you just developed a tool. I, I said, well, I felt really happy about that. I felt happy to graduate, but I didn't really realize at the time how much I had done because I didn't know a lot about tool development. And I've learned a lot more since then. I refined that tool after I finished and then published it in 2012 in Clinical Simulation of Nursing, which is a, a kind of a top simulation journal. And I have shared that tool with, uh, oh, between 60 to 100, I don't know, 70, 70 or 80 researchers from around the world. And it's been translated to Norwegian and Portuguese, and it's being translated into Turkish and Spanish. And I shared it with people from Pakistan and Oman and Saudi Arabia. And it's, it's these people contact me and, and ask for the tool. And of course, I share it with everybody. But I didn't know that I guess if you have something and nobody else has made it, then then more people want it. And it is, like you mentioned, it is uh, general to different debriefing types where some of the other tools that have been developed since that time are uh, to a specific debriefing type. So they, you need to use them if you're using a, a particular type of debriefing where mine is general. Um, so for my PhD dissertation, I also focused on debriefing, and I've developed a new tool. It's called um, Evaluating Debriefing, uh, Learning During Debriefing. And this, the first tool I de developed is uh, student-completed, so it's the student evaluation of debriefing. And the second tool I completed more recently is on in evaluating the instructor and learning and engagement that's going on during debriefing. Okay, but... What's next for you, Dr. Reed? Well, I have to figure out what to do with that certified nurse midwife because I've been waiting an awful lot of long time to get it, and I want to do something. Um, one of the reasons I would wanted to be a cert certified mid nurse midwife, besides wanting to always do this, was to do, do something with service. And so I'm trying to figure that out. I would like to serve in some way or work with people that, have less 
in some way. And I, I'm thinking about those things. I'm trying not to overcommit myself, which is something that I usually always do. So I'm trying to be more cautious in accepting opportunities. I do. I hopefully this summer will fill in for somebody on maternity leave, and maybe learn a little bit more, but I need to get experience before experience as a nurse midwife before I think I really can be helpful. But I, I do have some ideas. I'm not sure, but I'm working on it. Well, we want to thank you for being on the show with us and we wish you luck in all the future things you do in all your projects. Okay. Thank you. One of the most intriguing things that the College of Nursing does is they do a birthing simulator. And I know you know this, Adia, and I'm, I imagine most of the people listening also know this, but in fourth semester, that's when you get to be a part of this birthing simulator. And Donovan went downstairs to the NLCO a little while back to ask some students what that was like. Let's listen to it. Hey guys, we're here on the street in the NLC talking to some fourth semester students about the Lucina birthing simulation to see what they've learned. Let's get to it. Okay, so first I'm here with Fallon. Can you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from? Sure, yeah. My name's uh, Fallon Sweet, and I'm from Broomfield, Colorado. So after being in the simulation, are you more excited or are you more nervous to do the clinical rotations in a delivery unit? Um, granted, I was pretty excited before, <laughs> um, but I'm still really excited. It was fun. I was able to, like, check Lucina's cervix and see how dilated she was and her effacement. And when we practiced that previously, it was really hard, but somehow I like got it today. So that was exciting. Um, and it just was cool how well they could simulate all the things that we were supposed to do with the actual birth. And then as well with like checking the cervix and feeling the fundus and all that stuff was really well done. Awesome. Well, thank you. Now we're here with Serena. Can you tell us where you're from? Yeah, I'm Serena. I'm from Seattle, Washington. Awesome. So the simulations you get to be a part of are to help you guys develop some critical thinking skills. So what happened in this simulation that required a response from you? Um, the patient was going unmedicated and so that complicated the delivery and like her pain level. And so I feel like it was, it was interesting to navigate that and just figure out how to figure out her pain tolerance and also making sure baby got out safely. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Now we're here with Emma. Could you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from? Hi, I'm Emma Cochran. I'm from Bountiful, Utah. I'm in my fourth semester. That's great. So how did the birthing simulation change your perspective on the role of nurses in labor and delivery? Um, I think it's just really important to like support the patient, even when the husband is supportive, because we involved the husband and everything. But um, she still was verbalizing that she was scared and that she was in a lot of pain. And so it was really important for us to be there to talk her through that, even though her husband was also there, which I thought was really interesting because a lot of the births that I've been in, the husband has been there and doing most of the support while the nurse is off looking at the computer and things. But it was really important and really impactful to see the important role that nurses can play in supporting the patient and like helping them through the mental and physical difficulties of labor. So, Well, as you guys can hear, the simulations are super important and can really make your education come to life. Yeah, I know that joke is a bit cheesy. I just wanted the delivery to be good. <laughs> and now I'm done. All right, back to you guys in the studio. <laughs> I love that. I love the jokes. Yeah, very same. funny, very funny. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I love, I agree with all those comments. I did the birthing simulation maybe a month ago. And Ooh. it seriously, it was such a good experience. I wasn't there as she delivered, but right before I was able to help with pain management, like they said, she... Wasn't going medicated, so we had to use all these like creative ways to help decrease her pain and distract her from that. 
Okay. What are some of those creative ways? My favorite is called sacral pressure or counter pressure. So you just like push on a woman's sacrum, which is kind of just their lower back. And then that closes off the receptors that feel the pressure. And so they feel pressure instead of pain. Interesting. It seems like it makes the program a lot better. Do you feel that way? Oh, yeah. I learn best from experience. So simulations and um, any labs and clinicals, seriously, all of them help me remember things so much better. Yeah. Even I have learned from those mannequins. I learned how to dress one once. So (laughs) if I'm ever in a hospital and somebody needs a robe, you can call me. Okay, I will. All right. (laughs) But until then, we will be here next week. Same place, same time. Have an awesome week, guys. And this is the College Handoff. See ya. See ya.